Welcome everybody to talk with Claude. I'm Claude, your host. I'm sitting here with Daniel Kramer, who, um, <laughs> hi Daniel, uh, <laughs> who's gonna share her experience of uh, having come down with COVID and had symptoms. And I've got a few questions for her, but the first thing I'd like to do is just get a little bit of background on you, Daniel, if you can help us relate to who you are in life and, and you know, uh, get a, a general sense of um of what your situation is uh generally uh not this and then we'll we'll take it into the covid situation here um so maybe just let us know where you're from and um what what brought you out here and when when you got to our little town of revelstoke yeah so i'm i'm from Chilliwack, bc that's where all my family is so um just living there for my whole life and then i moved to whistler um, when I was 19, had the time of my life, uh, and then met my boyfriend, moved to Golden, had a little bit more of a settled life, got a dog, and then to Revelstoke. So, um, Revelstoke brought us in just because of the, the backyard that we have, all of our recreations, and um, mostly snowboarding, which, um, yeah, I've been doing that for like 11 or 12 years, so that is why I'm in Revelstoke. I moved here in April 2017. Um, and then I've been in the same house the whole time, which is pretty rare for somebody my age to move to Revelstoke, thankfully. So, so you uh, mentioned your age there. So you uh, started your, your travels when you were 19. Where are we at now? We're, I'm 26 now. 26, right on. Yeah, yeah. So um, just following my passion in snowboarding and the outdoors, pretty much knowing that Chilliwack wasn't exactly for me at that time. Right. So, and you were, I mean, you were in some pretty interesting towns there. Uh, what landed you, are you thinking maybe Revelstoke's your final destination or uh, how do we, how so. do we stack up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely hope I can stay in Revelstoke for a while. Um, like I said, I do have a dog, so I know eventually my landlord will want to sell his house. Um, he thinks maybe the economy might crash. So he was hoping to maybe sell it this spring. And with a dog, it's pretty hard to find a place in Revelstoke. So, I mean, fingers crossed, and hopefully I make connections with enough people that they can let me know if anything comes available. But um, yeah, given jobs and, and the opportunity to stay here, I would stay here for a long time. Well, that's good to know. And it's uh, very unfortunate, in fact, uh, being a landlord myself, uh, my first reaction when things started coming down with the COVID situation um, was it in March ish? Uh, uh, I thought things would crash and I thought I'd be uh, possibly, you know, losing my tenants or, or whatnot. But it turns out that a lot of people are moving from big cities into small towns like ours because they're, they're working from home now and they're like, well, why should I enjoy the big city when I can be in a great place like this? So it's a uh, made a, a, a tough dynamic of uh you know renters uh trying to find places to live even worse uh unfortunately and i've got friends of mine that actually sold their house just when things were coming down because they kind of they had made a plan to to try to sell high and and save whatever money they could to, to deal with whatever fallout might happen and uh, unfortunately they've nearly been left out of town they've almost had to leave town they found something at the last minute but it's never it's never been this bad so that's definitely an extra strain on people out here definitely yeah and it's it's worrisome knowing that there's people that are working 
from home who are making a lot more money than people like myself who are serving or you know doing the frontline kind of work so it scares me to know that someone can afford a two thousand dollar rent when i know i can't so yeah no definitely in these big shifts you know sometimes they're hard to avoid but at the same time things shift so fast that it's so hard to adapt to this new reality right and uh given enough time i think people and given enough time and freedom i think people would find ways to make things work but uh but when it happens suddenly and then there's a whole bunch of restrictions put on top of that because of our unique situation um yeah it can be very tough and uh also um working in the service industry under the situation i want to get more into covid later but um you know compared to somebody who's working from home you're always at a moment's notice of finding out that you, wherever you're working is closing right so totally yeah yeah so how how's that i mean for you um having had to be in isolation now um how does that affect your revenue do you have any compensation for being in that special situation or are you just like well just too bad you're missing two weeks of work well thankfully my employer um has been helping me through through this so that's really nice um I'm still on the phone or on my computer answering emails, writing schedules. So I'm still kind of working from home. Um, and then my employer is helping me because of that. So that is really good. But for all of my staff, because I'm a manager, all of my staff who've had to have this time off, I've been trying to tell them to look for, for revenue, look for financial help from CRA or to try and help them out. Right. And uh, sorry, you were, where were you working when all this came down? I was working at Love I Get. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and th I think they were closed for a while and then they reopened and then they had some uh, exposure uh, cases and then closed down again, right? Um, they didn't close for the first time, but they just recently closed because of all the exposure that they had. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, people think, oh, well, you know, employers should just keep paying their staff even though they're not working, but it's not. Anybody who's owned a business knows it's, it's not how it uh, works, right? If you're not, yeah. if if your business is closed and there's no money coming in, you're exactly. pretty limited. You're, you, you don't have this endless source of money you can just dish out because, you know, people were nice and, and stuff like that. And you, you your heart breaks probably because you'd want to help them out because you know the terrible situation they're in. But in fact, as a business owner, very often, you're not in any better situation than your employees. You right. Know, I, I see that a lot being a landlord as well. People, you know, will jump out to blame the greedy landlords because they happen to own a house but they also have to pay a mortgage and if they don't have money coming in because of their situation then there's you know they can have a few months stored in there but it goes quick in this town things are expensive for everybody exactly yeah and especially um just for landlords like yourself just with the the taxes that you have to pay as well like i i think they just went up recently right yeah or yeah so it, yeah. it definitely makes it hard and I've seen those posts and people talking about the the greedy landlords but definitely understanding where you're coming from yeah I mean just to, to put things into perspective when I uh, we built the place here right it was a forest on the lot that I bought in 2004 and things were cheap back then for sure and you know we uh, 
when I got my start and I started venturing out west, uh, I came out from Quebec and I lived out of a van with my wife, uh, <laughs> my wife to be at the time, and uh, and uh, so we didn't, you know, we didn't necessarily have any more than anybody else, but we saved up a little bit. We bought a lot. The timing was probably better than it could be for youth right now. That's for sure, and I recognize that. But at the same time, when we first got here, I think we were paying something like $89 a year for water. And I forget what my last bill was, but it's upwards of $800. Like, and that's oh, in the wow. span of 10 years, right? So that's, you know, you can only absorb so much increase. You know, you can plan a little bit ahead, but every time you get ahead, things increase and then you're, you're back one step. And it's not like my personal salary is increased to the same fold right so um, yeah. I know a lot of people that might look like they're doing really well but a lot of people are just keeping their head above water right now so uh, I think that needs to be said um, so what uh, what's your living arrangement like now you said you've been at the same place for uh, a few years are you with roommates or just you and your boyfriend or so we're a total of five in the house so I have three other roommates and then my boyfriend and myself and our dog. Um, so my three roommates have been living here now for a couple months. Um, one of them has been living here for almost two years with us. But but yeah, the roommates are, are always changing kind of like every six months to a year. Right. And uh, how, how does your situation affect them? Uh, like did they have to get tested as well then and you know if their test comes back negative then they're still living in the same house and you basically are stuck in your room for two weeks or what does that look like that's a good question and i'm actually i'm getting text messages right now from people that um i know who have tested positive and they're asking me the exact same thing um obviously i'm not a doctor or a nurse but this is just the answers that i've gathered um and to keep your sanity the answers that I have. So pretty much what happened is when I tested positive, everyone booked a test. Um, even if they weren't really showing symptoms. Some of my roommates, I think maybe thought they were sick. So they tend to show symptoms even though they weren't. Um, my boyfriend, he wasn't feeling really any symptoms at all. And so they all went to get their tests, came back. And then for the next couple of days, everyone was pretty nervous. Um, but I guess I guess my boyfriend had like a little bit of like a sore throat and like a something in there. But same with my other roommates, and his test came back positive, but everyone else came back negative. So then the next conversation for everyone was now what? So we all called the helpline trying to figure out what are we gonna do. Um, they said to do 14 days for the people that were negative from the last time they were in contact with me. Um, and that for a couple of days was very confusing because when was the last time you were in contact? Does that mean the last time I walked outside of my room? Or does that mean the last time they were within three feet away for 15 minutes or whatever? So, and then a couple of days of that, trying to figure that out. I was in my room for the first four days because I had no energy to leave my bed. But then after that, I became kind of antsy, wanted to socialize a little bit, but of course had a mask on outside, sanitized hands or gloves, and kept like a great distance away from everyone. Um, after I called nurses trying to just get the real information because of every time I come out of my room, they have to do an extra 14 days 
that that can turn up to be a month and a half like so um or it can just never end until i'm done so what the nurse told me is that it's 14 days from the time you're in close contact which means the time that i had no mask on and was with them um so that would have been at the very start of my my isolation so they only have four more days extra than i do oh, okay mm-hmm. okay and would you say i mean i'm looking at your living arrangement i mean that's pretty typical for revelstoke as far as i know right um, yeah so would you say that our special revelstoke living arrangements which is typical adds definitely a an extra challenge as far as not spreading covid and uh maybe also dealing with the repercussions um how yeah how do you how do you feel that affects because i mean a lot of i've seen a lot of people blame this group or that group for the reason why covid is spreading right but when i look at the living arrangements i'm like wow you know maybe we don't need to point fingers at special groups you know the whole town Well, so many people are being forced to live you know so many roommates together because that's our reality here so uh, i i don't think i've heard anybody talk about that but it seems pretty obvious from what you're describing yeah um there's definitely something about that and i think that that is kind of what a little bit it kind of hurt me when i saw the news going on about rebels like being blamed for social gatherings and that we're just being irresponsible that's what i took from it and it's i didn't find that was typically true like of course there's people everywhere that are not doing their part and they're doing social gatherings and everything else but for the most part i i think that we have to work jobs that are frontline jobs to be able to afford to live here so we're working for tourism which is already a bit scary and then we live with people that also work jobs that are frontline and tourist jobs so your bubble can't be that small when you're doing that um because we're also a community where people live in groups to be able to afford uh high housing costs so that that means working multiple jobs just to survive where it's a tourist destination um yeah and it's i think it's just really easy to blame blame us for the social activities um yeah just would i don't think everyone's disregarding what we have to do Yeah, and I mean uh, people might have be, been living this way for a long time in, you know, mountain towns and stuff like that, but I remember growing up for me like that would have been about 30 years ago um what I would typically envision for living arrangements, you know, what you're describing that would be what we'd expect in the third world. <laughs> you know, yeah. as sad as it is, but it's it's true, you know, that's not what you aspire to uh unless you have very very special different aspirations than your average person you know so but that's a that's a reality here um it's not everybody but we we all know when especially when the ski season comes in that you know people are going to pack into rooms and they're going to come from everywhere around the world and even though they might have spent 14 days in isolation coming out from uh, you know Australia or wh- wherever it is once they get here they're packed with other people and there's people moving in and out of town and you can leave your restaurants open and all that but without the tourism i mean you look at the size of the town here we wouldn't have the services and the amenities that we have in town here if it wasn't for tourism right exactly yeah so to 
to hear that people are, you know, um, breaking vehicles or, uh, you know, from with Alberta plates or stuff like that, that yeah. I've, I've heard of is really disheartening because you can tell restaurants in the services industry to stay open, but, you know, something needs to feed them as well. And you'd want everybody to stay home and everybody's been told to stay home unless, you know, absolutely necessary. But um, I saw a good post go around. It's like, well, a small business is essential for the person who's the business owner if they want to put food on the table. That's right. You know, essential. Yeah, it's is a bit of a, of, yeah, go ahead. A bit of a double-edged sword for that one because yeah. as Rival Soap needs, we need tourists, but we also, it's a little bit worrisome having tourists coming in here. Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, that's why the precautions are there as well. And, you know, originally, let's not forget that, you know, people were asked to sacrifice for two weeks. We're eight months in now. Uh, and I'm sure two weeks would have been hard enough for businesses as it was. But eight months after and without knowing where the future is taking each business, each employer, each employee, um, it's the unknown, too, that people are like, well, now I've got to prepare for whatever comes up next, whatever that might be, right? So, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see that being really hard. So, um, so I've got a few questions that I wrote down specifically to COVID. Maybe we'll go back to, uh, to your situation um, in the end, you know, kind of closing up. But um, so I've got one here and I was curious because this is getting such a big deal, I think, and it's completely overblown, in my opinion, on social media. But what were your your beliefs and attitudes towards the, the pandemic and uh, at the start, you know, before you got the disease and uh, as far as, you know, protecting yourself and wearing a mask uh, and, and stuff like that, like just your your general attitude and, and beliefs towards that, if you want to share that with us. Yeah. Um... I think prior to this, I mean, it's, it's always changing. So when two weeks ago, when everything started happening, well, three weeks ago, when everything started happening, of course, that's when more regulations came in, more mask wearing and hands. But just living in Revelstoke, let's say four months ago, that's, that's when everybody had, there was barely any cases. Um, it almost felt like regular life. So it, it was definitely felt like I was in a bubble without having to realize what was going on around me besides what's seen on the news. So I wasn't exactly being the most cautious at that point. Um, but then taking it back three weeks ago, that's when I realized how serious this is and how it's right in my backyard and in my neighborhood. So um, it definitely scared me a little bit, but when I started finding out more and more people getting cases, that's when uh, it, it was just time to buckle down and and manage my mental state for that right and uh yeah and it, it's a tough one because we hear all kinds of things even in the mainstream you would hear everything from masks don't work to masks are mandatory you'd hear uh 
you know, in the, the, the alternative media, you'd hear everything from it's a hoax, the virus doesn't even exist to the virus exists. It was built in a lab to kill us all, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's hard for people to know what to do. And it's not surprising that people are taking such different routes, right? So then you have kind of the officialies, okay, well, wear masks indoors, social distance. Um, but even then, you know, um, there's stuff coming out that you know, the virus isn't really spread through kids. And then there's another uh, scientific study that was the biggest one yet that says that uh, kids are actually key to spreading it. But all the schools are still open, but yeah. the businesses are closed. And so there's things are changing all the time, right? So exactly. it's not surprising that people's attitudes are kind of, you know, thrown their hands up in the air and say, you know, like it's it's kind of beyond me. It's, it, it feels a bit overwhelming. And so it, it is very overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it comes down to a bit of a personal. I think uh, there's a lot of visual, right? So you're out in public, people are going to wear the masks and all that. But once the doors get closed, how people act is very much a personal choice. And uh, uh, I'm hoping that uh, we're not going to be pushing authorities to start being peeping toms in people's houses and all that, because there's definitely a trade off between the risk of catching COVID and people's mental health in the long term, you know? And, and you were, you've been in isolation for what, just under two weeks? No, I've been, today is day nine. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure that was, that's been hard enough. So if we're talking months of isolation, like in, in Europe, I think they had uh, situations that were quite hard. Even healthy people were confined to their homes for the longest time. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that that's something I'm hoping that we won't have to deal with here. But um, there's all, always hoping then. Um, yeah. So you described a little bit uh, what happened immediately after you tested positive. Just to be clear, you uh, you started with having symptoms and then went for a test, or did you get over for a test right away when there was some exposure at work? And maybe you can uh, flesh out a little bit of your initial realization that you were gonna have to deal with this um i was told that i had exposure but when i was told i had exposure i was home for a couple days for my weekend and then that's when i started to feel symptoms as well so that's when i went to go get a test is because i had developed symptoms away from work um and then just waiting for my test pretty much not knowing if i have COVID or not because my symptoms didn't like it's really easy to be in denial about what your symptoms are and if they actually could be COVID. right do you think the fact that you knew you had had some exposure um played a key role in you being extra cautious then because i could definitely see you know people you know, having the sniffles or a bit of a headache or feeling a little under the weather and going, ah, it's nothing, you know, because you don't want, you, you don't want to be that person, right? You don't want to say, no. oh, I've got COVID. Now I'm, I'm like this leper walking through town kind of thing, right? But exactly. how, much, how much of an impact do you think that had knowing that you were told that you had had exposure during that time and how worrisome was it? knowing that you had had exposure and you were possibly coming down with symptoms. I mean, you might have been wondering 
you know, how bad is this going to get? You know, am I going to end up in an ICU or was that even on the radar for you? Yeah, that was definitely on the radar until probably a couple days ago, realizing that it's getting better because that's probably the one of the scariest parts is knowing that I'm I'm feeling fine, but it could get worse from what I've seen. So just every day checking on my symptoms, checking on if I'm feeling all right, um, shortness of breath or anything like that, and just going every day by it because who knows that the next day it could be worse, right? So, um, but knowing that at my workplace, it definitely gave, it gave me more of a kick in the butt to go and get tested and that this could definitely be COVID. Okay. And, uh, so how are you managing right now then? And is there anything you need from the community, uh, you know, and here I'd like to cover any aspects, you know, either, you know, encouragement to food or any, anything the community could do uh, for you and how are you managing on a day-to-day -day basis uh, now that you're nine month, uh, nine days in <laughs> to um, your isolation? Um, today has been a good day and like I woke up with a lot of energy and pretty much feeling fine besides not being able to smell or taste. Um, so I would think it's pretty good but from the community it has been amazing. I've had so many people reaching out to me um, just asking if I can have anything luckily living with the five people or four people has been quite a blessing just because any if I'm hungry I have food ready for me if I if I need anything then we have all the sort resources to get it so um, to be honest you don't really need much when you're in your room every day too so <laughs> it's just food and hopefully you have some type of screen or some type of hobby yeah, just hoping the internet doesn't shut off on you, eh? Yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> well, that that's good to know. And uh, ha have you actually accepted anything from the community, from people reaching out, or it's been pretty much all your household that's been managing that? Um, I haven't. So when it first started, my he's one of my best friends, but my landlord, um, he went and got groceries for us. So we have just been cooking from when it first started and managed just fine with that. So I haven't had to, no one has had to reach out to get more things, which is awesome. Um, it's nice that Cheers Liquor Store delivers for the house too. So that was taken care of for everybody else. Um, but other than that, yeah, but we haven't really needed anything from the community, but I've, I've been saying thanks to everyone just for reaching out. I was going to say, what? You can be friends with your landlord. That's heresy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why I'm Good. still here for you. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. I'm glad to hear you get along well with your landlord. I think, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's important to get to know each other and, and uh, respect our each our unique situations. Um, so now uh, looking at the uh, posts that you put up that kind of um, set you apart because you're part of a handful of people who found out early that you were exposed to COVID and have the symptoms and have had the, uh, the, the virus. Uh, there's obviously going to be more. So, however, the things you were expressing in that post that, uh, that kind of made me reach out to you and you say, uh, 
uh, you had quite a few other news media reach out to you as well. Do you want to just name some of those, and maybe we'll uh, we can even post the links to their uh, um, interviews or, or, or whatnot, the coverage of your situation uh, in the show notes. Yeah, so I've had um, Castanet, which is a broadcaster newspaper for the interior of BC um, and Okanagan, and then CBC Interior also, so I'll be live with them tomorrow. Um, CBC Vancouver I'll be live with tomorrow, and CBC Calgary, and then also the Revelstoke Mountaineer is post is doing a, a article as well, and then you as well so that would be everybody thank you so it, it really yeah i think it really left the mark and it, it really um yeah judging i went through earlier what did i say i think there was like seven 700 plus uh reactions to that post on our uh Revel so community uh group page and over 160 uh, comments so that's that's quite a, a reaction and reading through them I think you know the, the vast vast majority of them were very positive and very supportive of what you had said have you had any negative feedbacks at all from that I haven't had any negative feedback and I, I made a joke with my roommate saying that it's probably the first time on Revelso community there has been a negative comment <laughs> on a post <laughs> yeah just post a rock darn rock we hate that yeah, rock yeah exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that, and and I think it speaks to the choice of words that you had. And while we're on it, I was going to ask you um, what inspired you to post that and all that. But I think it's it's very transcendent in what you wrote. Um, so, if you would be so kind, actually, would you be willing to read out what that post was for uh, the uh, listeners? Uh, this will be going out on audio only as well on a podcast as well as YouTube. So help them out a little bit with uh, what, what was posted, uh, especially uh, if they're not a member of the group there. Yeah, no, I don't mind at all. Um, I'm just getting it just so I get all the right words out. Um, yeah. So I started this post with trying to get people's attention by by highlighting importance. And then I said, as some of, as some of you who might already know, I would like to share this with everyone. I am COVID-19 positive. And then boom, I said it. Um, I wanna share this before it will be shared with to everyone and then kept secret for some reason. I don't personally believe it should be a secret because that creates more fear. My experience so far has been so mild compared to a lot of people who have tested positive and that I'm thankful for. So damn thankful because this is real. I started to show symptoms on the 22nd with a sore throat, but again, so mild. After that, a couple days later, a dry cough that maybe happened 10 times that day. And the day after that, I had a so sore lower back, was very low on energy and thought that might be PMS. Everything I thought had a valid excuse to it, little did I know it was COVID. I messaged my boss, told him what was happening, and of course was told to get a test done. I was already off for a couple days prior. Um, as for work questions, anyone can message me. As that day went on, I developed some feverish symptoms. By that, I mean headachy and head cold kind of feelings. I also lost my smell. What I haven't mentioned yet is the mental toll this takes on you. This is so far the worst symptom I've expe experienced from COVID. Um, just questions that I thought was, what will people think? 
Um, my roommates missed opening day in Revelstoke because of me. This is all my fault. I ruined it for everyone I live with. With no people judge me or blame me. Um, I was feeling alienated, feeling rejected, and the stress of anyone you have seen in the last two weeks that you could have infected. That one was the worst. Um, I know this is long, but I think it's long overdue that someone talks about it. That I am an individual case. Everyone is unique in their way, and I understand how damn fortunate I am. And the roommates for making me all the food all the time, I'm thankful. No, I'm beyond thankful for the, my support group, my family, and all of you beautiful people who have reached out to me. I want to spread awareness towards the mental issues this can bring up um, and to be the person for anyone to talk to who might be going through the fear and anxiety of this. The shame and guilt needs to stop as well as hiding the reality. We should be able to talk about this. If anyone who tested positive but scared to let people know, please know it's okay, you're not alone. Thank you so much whoever read this far. If you have any questions, shoot me a message. And then I said, lots of love. I hope everyone stays safe, remains unpanicked. There's no room for that. We have enough going on. Thank you for that. Yeah. It, is there any anything else that or anything you to um, stand out, especially and um, has that evolved in your mind as well since you first wrote it? Not necessarily. It's been I've I've stuck to that the whole time. Um, it also helps me just feel that it's all okay when I say it out loud as well. So um, I, I think that what I want to stress is that I am an individual case. This has happened to me in my experience, but it could be so different for someone like you or anyone else. They could go through this in a very different way. Um, and just being able to, to, to talk about it because when we just hear about a case that happened, we don't actually know what's going on. And that just creates more fear for everyone. Right. And um, on the uh, the backside of that, I'm actually wondering, you know, once you get through this and you're well and you're exposed and you fought off COVID, uh, what happens to all those measures for you? Do you know, um, you know, I, I, are you immune and unable to transmit the disease or have you inquired about that or is there anything official on that? Because I'm, I'm kind of wondering we're just at the start of this, right? I think uh, mm -hmm. I read that there was 46 people confirmed the cases in the town, which probably means there's about a hundred that we don't know because the doubling rate is, is uh, once every week or so. Right. So this is and going back to the off. housing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, I think it will because a lot of our houses are shared. So it's, pretty hard to imagine that it wouldn't take off here yeah um just as far as your question when you're asking about what happens after i've gotten a couple of different answers so from what i'm told i'm not supposed to go get a test again because i'm going to be positive for three to six months i won't be contagious but i'll be positive mind you i've talked to people from quebec and apparently in Quebec, what they're doing is you get a test after you've had COVID and you're only allowed out when you're negative. So it's, it's a bit confusing to me. Um, I'm having a person, the person that told me that to go and double check that she knows what she's talking about. But um, 
yeah it it doesn't really make the full amount of sense because in a way it feels like well i've had it so now i can go out without a mask and <laughs> but you can get it again so that was something that i asked and yes you can get it again the symptoms and to be able to spread it yeah but but it sounds like you might be protected for some time as well right so yeah uh, yeah obviously like measures being mandatory but it becomes kind of interesting if it does spiral out of control and you know in a month or two we end up with 5,000 out of 8,000 people in town that have gotten it and have gotten through it um what does that look like for measures and stuff and i was just curious you know because we're as a community certainly we're still discovering a lot as this disease takes hold right and uh i know other other communities might have might be at a further stage than we are maybe we can learn from what's going on there but um that being said um any protection that we may get from a vaccine would be probably the same kind of protection that we get from getting through the disease naturally as well so it's kind of hard to say how do we get out of this as a humanity right and how right. Uh, what at what time do we start stop treating each other like you know walking bags of biohazard um, because that that really in, in the short term people can do that but in the long term that really takes its toll and changes all our relationships so i don't know if you can have some words of wisdom about that uh, as you've had days to stay home and they maybe ponder things like that more than i have <laughs> i i have been pondering like i don't have any answers because i can't i can't really get many answers from from people um i've been finding that everything that i'm finding online or through nurses have been like quite vague um to to get through this because in a perfect world yeah we all we all get sick and then we're we all survive and now we've built antibodies which is pretty much what the vaccine is trying to do right so but that that is too too risky to do um the the covid is has been killing people and it is a real thing so or having long-term effects for people so it is still a virus that is dangerous as much as hopefully i'm walking out of here tomorrow with antibodies and protection that i just hope that everybody else takes it still seriously um and hopefully in the next couple months if we do that it can it can quiet down a bit right and um I guess we're coming to the end here. Um, do you have any, if, if we look back, how has that, how has your experience changed maybe your aspirations for the future? Um, you know, where were you at? What were you aspiring to coming into town? You've been here, you know, a few years and what you're aspiring to and how's that, how's that changed now because of your experience and because of, you know, being fully exposed to what's going on and being a part of it and being a voice for it as well. Does that change anything for you at this point or? Not necessarily. I did have other goals for my career this year. I, I was hoping to um, get involved in heli ski lodges and see how that goes. But of course that didn't happen. So it kind of made me hit a quick stop and, and just sit patiently where I am. Um, 
But yeah, I, I don't think it's it's changed too much. I had a realization like yesterday that COVID is still happening around me, that I'm not done with it. It's, it's not finished. So right. yeah, I hope that helped. Right. And um, for myself, I, we talked about this a little bit before I pressed record there, but um, I think that there's one takeaway that I would like uh, from our interview here and from people listening to it is that it, I mentioned that it reminded me very much, uh, you know, being an older person reminded me very much when um, AIDS started spreading and uh, it spread uh, quite a bit through the gay population, especially in Western states. And then there was kind of like this stigma attached where people would link, you know, uh, homo homosexuality to AIDS, you know, whereas AIDS was not exclusive to homosexuality, but then there was a stigma. And, uh, you know, I think this is where we first heard the term homophobia, because everybody would just link, well, if he's gay, he's diseased, he's dangerous, whatever. And I see some uh, similar things happening with this COVID where, you know, you see with somebody without a mask for whatever reason, then immediately they're judged and they may have you know some good reasons why they're not wearing a mask or you know some people will, will go to one extreme and start wearing the mask all the time outdoors even when they're by themselves and others would take a more casual approach and, and more uh, directed approach and then they'd start you know there'd be a lot of infighting and being such a small community and god knows there's always a lot of infighting within these social media sites but uh yeah, if there's one takeaway that I'm hoping that it won't pit, you know, brother against brother and neighbor against neighbor. Um, is there a takeaway that, that you'd like to uh, share? Because there, there definitely seemed to be something emanating, some some wisdom emanating from your original posts. And I, I want to make sure that that gets highlighted uh, within this interview here. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you because that's exactly how I felt when I had it is almost like I have AIDS and I, I don't want to take away from people that have AIDS, but it's just felt like the stigma that just attached on to me now. And now the judgments of other people of why I gave this to myself and that I it's not a choice. And I just really want to let people know that they can talk about it. Um, talk about it out loud so that other people understand where you're coming from and what your experience is and it's going to just create a lot more of a casual conversation not not anything to be scared of right and um you i don't think at any time you felt personally like you got this because you did something wrong more that you were in a an air you know you're in a a style of work that's more exposed being in the service industry is that correct yeah okay I would think so. but but there's definitely fear from people that don't know you say well she got it she must have done something wrong she didn't wear her mask or she didn't social distance. was she partying yeah, yeah. Was she had a party god those partiers like you know and i i see yeah. that unfortunately a lot from some of the older crowd and anybody who knows your average boomer did a heck of a lot of partying in their 20s and i don't know if they've all forgotten that but uh you know uh let's let's try to emphasize that that it's not if you catch covid it's not something you did wrong and that's super super important um i'm, I'm hoping that we're not going to start dehumanizing ourselves uh over this 
and we get through this together. All right, any final words, uh, Danielle? No, I think I've said everything I need to share. Just everyone stay safe out there and it's okay to talk about it. Thank you so much for coming on uh, the show and uh, keep in touch. Let us know how things go and maybe we'll uh, do another check-in in, in a, a few weeks and see where you're at. And uh, if there's uh, anything you'd want to reach out for from the community, uh, feel free to let me know or, or post it. I think you have a very loving community that's really appreciated your wisdom out here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye.